Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by my buddy Paul Villasmar to talk about the World Cup that just ended with that absolutely unbelievable final on Sunday. Kind of just recap the final, all the action, kind of talk through some of the impacts of the Winter World Cup and, and really just had a great time chatting about uh, about the sport because we had such a good time watching the World Cup tournament. So if you guys enjoyed the World Cup, I'm sure that you will enjoy this. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can always subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash takecast. The link to that is in the description of this program. And uh, you can just tell a friend about the show, or you can leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone, welcoming back into the show, Paul Villasmar. You probably know him better by his DraftKings screen name, Pew Pew Pew. We are here. We did, I mean, almost, I, I guess, over two months ago now, we did our, our World Cup preview. We did it early because we were we were so excited. And I, I mean, can't, can't say, I mean, could you really be disappointed? Who could be disappointed? Honestly, probably the most disappointed people have to be England fans because... Yeah. It was there for the taking. They England 100% could have won this World Cup. I would say it's a tie between England fans and Ronaldo fans. Uh, I think that's definitely a strong shout for both being the saltiest after that World Cup, I would say. Yeah, I mean, uh, so Portugal, pretty interesting. I mean, they were very good when yeah. Ronaldo was not in, and they uh, they just could not quite pick the lock against Morocco, but I mean, port. I mean, the the script writers could not have gotten any better than Iran versus Messi in in their final World Cup games. I mean that that almost would have been that almost would have been too much. I think that would have been crazy, and there would have been so many uh, shouts for FIFA being rigged. I mean, there already is. People said, I mean, for for Messi winning it, it would have just been annoying. But I mean, there were so many good storylines for that World Cup. I thought it was it was great. So I guess I mean I guess let's start. With Argentina, couple couple big things for them. So the first was they lose that opening game to Saudi Arabia, which I mean, does doesn't that feel like literally a lifetime ago? And it was the four a.m. game in, in my time zone in Central time zone, so I wasn't even awake for that, or I I I was awake for the second half. Um, and and you know, I mean, they they lose seventeen percent possession, but but I think you could argue it ended up working for them because two big things happen as a result of that. They bring Enzo Fernandez in because they realize they need someone who's going to run more. So Leandro Paredes gets dropped. And the biggest thing has got to be, I mean, Julian Alvarez, dude. Julian Alvarez, to me, 
I, I know Enzo Fernandez won young player of the tournament, but for me, I, they do not win this without Julian Alvarez, I don't think. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he uh, he played great. I think it was – I mean, I was just so impressed with Scaloni. Uh, I mean, I thought that he was doing a, was a good job, but, I mean, man, the the – the changes that he made and like the 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 guts that he did like uh, almost in every game I think he is really commendable because like his performance his whole staff's performance was just amazing to switch to Julian Alvarez which I think made a lot more sense because he can kind of come wider he's a lot more functional in terms of like he can create a little bit of width and especially when Di Maria was injured later he really kind of just totally changed the way they played just played so much better obviously Regardless of like the finishing prowess and all that, just like everything that he offered, it was just like great. I thought he had an amazing tournament. Yeah, I mean, because that is you, you do see this with these uh mega elite players where you know, Ron, Messi, Neymar, uh I mean, you know, this I mean I get you can honestly even kind of say the same thing with the United States. Not that not the Pulisic is that great, but like when yeah. when that guy's on the ball so much. One at these tournaments, they just get the shit kicked out of them, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, Neymar basically every time he, I mean, yeah. Neymar against Serbia, it's like they, these dudes were like rugby tackling yeah. him, and it helps out so much to have another guy who not only can create the space but also can just like be on the ball, like just like Alvarez being able to progress the ball. And I mean, Argentina, very lucky that Di Maria was able to play the final. Yeah. I think he he really was the difference. I, I think, I mean, he created the first goal and created the space for the, well, I guess, I mean, he didn't create the space for the second goal, but Messi's not going to be in that acres of space on the right to play yeah. that tricky ball if Di Maria is not just absolutely roasting the entire other side of their defense all game. Yeah, I um, it was really interesting because I thought, Di Maria was like the key. I thought he was going to be the key for sure. I thought that uh, he's the only guy that gives him like real kind of true width to basically like destabilize. Like Alvarez will go wide, but he's not like the type of guy that's just going to go 1v1. He's not going to stretch all the way, you know, to the sideline like a Di Maria does. They didn't really have another guy that could do that. And uh, you could see that they, they could do it in uh, the games that he was out. They could play narrow. They didn't really need it. Their game plan, it kind of fit. But against France, they really needed him. And I also thought that Theo Hernandez, like that side, the Theo Hernandez side was really weak because Mbappe does not come back. And Theo Hernandez is a horrendous defender in 1v1. And the, the, the midfielders weren't covering that side well. So I thought it was like, even though you have Mbappe, like you have to attack down that side. Morocco completely torched them down that side, created all those chances. I thought that when Di Maria was starting, that he was going to be on that side, which typically that's where he lined up on that side. And then Messi would be in the middle. And then I thought Julian Alvarez was going to be coming off the weak side. And they totally didn't do that. And they put Di Maria on the other side and parked Messi on Theo, which was just great. And they just, it was like, it's just such a tactical masterstroke. And Di Maria just did such a good job. Such a good, like the goal. But even before that, like he's creating chances, the way that he destabilized, like his width, he just pulled it. He pulled, pulled the defender away. And it just, it was, I mean, it was great. It was great to see. Great game. Well, and he's really underrated too, you know, Di Maria. So he's like, he's at Manchester United and it doesn't really work. But I mean, you know, playing under Van Hall, who like doesn't really, I mean, 
So like the the winger under Van Hall is it doesn't really do what Di Maria does, which is like links up the midfield and the attack. Like like you know Memphis plays in that system and he's so good at and Gakpo. I mean Gakpo, one of the players of the tournament too. Yeah. I think where it's like that that guy's actually scoring all your goals, right? Uh, and and that I mean I mean Di Maria can score, but he is much more comfortable like coming deep to get the ball, progressing the ball. And then, and then, I mean, he's basically just injured forever after that. He goes yeah. to PSG, goes to PSG, never plays because he plays basically the same position as Neymar. I mean, obviously Neymar's playing. And it's like, what, what are you going to do if you're playing with uh, Mbappe and Neymar? Yeah. And and now he's at Juventus who like have no money and are knocked out of the, of the Champions League. Or It's like, just like a, a weird, I, I guess he probably won the Champions League with Madrid when he was younger. I, I don't, that yeah, was before did. I even watched soccer. Yeah, yeah. but- he he's like a guy that most Americans I don't think would have even thought about heading into the tournament really. Yeah, I think he historically he's been one of the most underrated players um, in world football. I think DFS players probably don't underrate him because he no just, no like, no no he, yeah yeah he just goes off no matter like even if he has a bad game he's like, ah twenty five crosses you know. Um, but like at PSG he was just some games he was just like phenomenal. Yeah, Juventus. This season, like their only good game, like he basically, you know, almost brought them through. He was injured a lot. I think also, I I think 2014, you know, if he wasn't injured for the final, they 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 might have another World Cup because he was so key. He was the only other, he was the only guy that really gave them that width. And he's he's not just like a winger; he's like a ten because he can come inside. When he played for when he won the World or uh, when he won Champions League for Real Madrid, he was playing as like a center, central midfielder in a three. So he can basically comes inside. He's intelligent. He plays like a 10. He can pass. Um, he just does a lot of good stuff. And I think now he's, he's older. He's not as he, – he plays a little bit more controlled than he did kind of, like when he used to be just a gunner. Um, but I just think he's such a good player, played such a good game. And, like, I, I was scared of playing him in DFS because I didn't know how many minutes he had. And I get that they probably took him off because he was hurt. But like, even when he came off, the game really changed and France kind of dude, my really <laughs> two goals in two minutes. I mean, my, my heart was in my stomach. Cause obviously like we bet Argentina, we all want, I mean, I guess not everyone wanted Messi to win. Everyone I know wanted yeah. Messi and Argentina yeah. won. Very few people were, were rooting for France. And like the, you know, I mean, it was a penalty. It's not like you can say uh, at both of the penalties, actually like the Montiel one, an extra yeah. time it like it's not like you can be like ah you know i mean you you gotta yeah. give it but the the second mbappe goal like i i do think it's kind of one of those things where it's like yeah france didn't win but definitely you don't want it you don't want to take anything away from killing mbappe because he 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 what i mean yeah. it's like if we're gonna give messi a pass for walking around for 60 percent of the game i yeah it's like, what do we do? We want Mbappe to be, you know, a- acting like, uh, you know, Bakaya Saka and, and harassing these right backs. Like in a perfect world, yes. Yeah. But he still is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the comparison for Mbappe is definitely a Ronaldo, right? Like, like he, the, he's a very similar player that like kind of starts as a wide left player. He's not going to defend a lot. Um, offensively, though, he's fantastic, but. You can take him out of games if he does not have the service, right? Like he's not going to drop in and get on the ball and just do his thing. Like, like Messi, you can't really take him out of games because he will drop deep and he will then become like the world's best ten, right? Like if he goes higher, he's gonna, you know, I mean, he's gonna beat you through, you know, goal scoring, setting up chances, but he'll also just like dribble you two times and then 
use that pressure to then, you know, extend chances further down the field. So I think like you can't really expect the same thing. And I think that it makes sense why a Ronaldo, why an Mbappe is maybe not be involved for parts of games, but then like, look what happened at from 80th minute on, he just took over. And once the game opened up and space was there, he was just incredible. I mean, it was just his, his performance was amazing. And like that second goal was just like, I was like, as soon as he got in that space, I'm just like, that's a goal. I just, yeah. I think, um, I think for like European and English people, I think they just like accept that they're like, yeah, I mean, these guys can't, I can't do it for 90 minutes. It's, I think it's harder for Americans. Cause like we're, or we're, you know, it's like Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes yeah. and these guys. And it's like, they're involved in everything. You they're on your screen the entire time. Like it's like everything uh, comes from that. I, I just think it's hard for people who tune in literally once every four years to the world cup. They're like this Mbappe guy, this is the best yeah. young guy in the world. It's like, you know, he barely, we barely see him. He barely does anything until he does. Yeah. And I think he had a couple quiet games. Like he had a quiet game against England, England. He was not good against England. Yeah. yeah like he didn't, he didn't really do much. And uh, to be fair, you know, like I think, a good player will accept in that type of position, they will accept when it's like, you know, they're, they're, they're focusing on you in that area and you're going to let it, let the game flow and let your teammates like win it in another area. And just taking that pressure on opens up opportunities in other spots. I think that's a, that's a, that's a mature way that like he basically played that game against England and didn't really do much, but like, even then, like he pulled out defenders and just not even doing anything allowed the game to be won in other areas, I think is good because it's a testament that you're willing to work within the team. But yeah, like American and Canadian people watching the sport, it's, yeah, it's hard to understand, right? Like, I guess it's just those minutes of, those moments of brilliance that basically change the game and change the sport. And like, clearly, I mean, the guy was on fire for 60 minutes of that game and it was beautiful to watch. Okay, so some some bigger question stuff, because again, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I would assume like 90% of people who listen to this are American and probably not even a ton of huge soccer fans either. So like you get you get this during the World Cup, which is, oh, this is how I would fix soccer or yeah. oh, why? Why are they not scoring? Why? Why? Is, why? Is it, or, or what? Maybe. Honestly, I think maybe people even acknowledge like, oh, it's not going to be five to four or whatever. But yeah. why are teams not even trying to score? Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, look, to be honest, like even for people who love the game, that's still kind of frustrating. Like watching teams literally not try and score is really annoying. And it, it's that's such like a very specific tournament soccer style thing, you know, where, where the results of some games don't even matter. And I mean, I don't know if there's really a solution for it. Um, probably, especially not in a winter world cup where like, maybe you could talk yourself into the summer world cup. Maybe, uh, you play you do round robin like champions league but then in the end the last games probably end up not mattering i don't know it's probably just inherent in the game there's not really a way to change that yeah i think you know i think i've always you know seen it and heard it growing up with it um i think it's just it's just gonna be an inherent difference on how we view a sport i guess um i think you know with soccer you kind of have to i mean the goals are great and you kind of have to, if you can appreciate the finer points, like a dribble, the moves, the passing, like even without a goal, I think like that's the key to like European, South Americans that they, they appreciate all of the game. 
and it's not just about the goals. The goal is just like the release, like the the build up, the last thing. Um, and it makes well, it's sense. Like if, if you don't, if you, it's like, this is what I tell my buddies who love American yeah. football. It's like when you're watching the chiefs, like try and score whatever you're watching, like the pre-snap motion and like yeah. Mahomes is yelling at the running back and he's doing this and he's doing that. And that's all, it's yeah. all leading up. And it's like, if you didn't know what any of that was, if you, if you were an alien, you'd be like, why are these dudes talking to each other? Like, why are they not just running to the end zone? You know, and this, the say the deal is the same with soccer. Like if you don't understand or, or don't care about, you know, trying to manipulate the space and like, Oh, if I do that this time, then he's the, the right back's going to think I'm doing this. And yeah, it's, it's all about like formations and tactics. And that can be a little bit boring if you just want to see Vinicius jr. Going nuts or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense. Uh, if you're the newer new that you are to the game, like you want to see goals, you want to see the the great finishes and see the ball get put in the net and you want to see high scoring. You don't want to see the nuanced kind of tactical battle of a Spain, you know, a Spain, Germany, or, or even a France, England. I think that makes kind of sense. I think though, the game is growing hugely in North America. Like the, the stats are insane about how fast it's growing. I think well, people it, are, are starting you- to appreciate it more. I think USA England, I I believe I read was the fifth most watched game uh, any of any sporting event in the United States over the last really? year. I, I believe I saw I mean now that could be wrong, but I'm 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 pretty certain it it was like 16 million or something yeah. confirmed live concurrent, which doesn't sound like a lot compared to like probably literally every single human being in England was was watching it, but like yeah. that for for not even an elimination game like that was that was huge um like think, usa england was a big deal yeah it's coming and i think that part of it is just going to be it's always going to be the big i mean people people make jokes about it i laugh at it i don't take it personally about you know soccer versus football the low scoring right. like all the stuff i think one thing too is like i always hear people they're perplexed by like the the clock situation like why isn't the clock why is the clock on the board and like how is the ref just adding oh the the the, the stoppage time yeah, yeah that is a very non-american that. thing yeah. yeah and it makes sense but i think it's just like it's just your perspective like for so- for for people that grew up with soccer they're like oh just makes sense really- yeah it makes sense but i mean like there is a point there but like i think it's just a perspective and it's like we have to open up to a different perspective that like this sport is different from most of the North American sports, like there's not a stoppage, like all the other North American sports have stoppages, right? Like this sport keeps going. Um, I think it's just, there's a lot of different things. I think it just takes time to appreciate. I think a lot more North Americans are really appreciating the game. And it's it's great. MLS is growing all of, you know, I think that this World Cup- Gareth Bale in the MLS, Lionel Messi coming to the MLS. Uh, So so they just, I I live in St. Louis and our team's inaugural- season is going to be this next upcoming year and i'll i mean guarantee you i'm going to be there for lafc guarantee you i'm going to be there for inter miami like no chance i'm not going to be there like the 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 aging european model is not great for uh for mls when it's like carlos vea no one cares but when it's gareth bale when it's messy i mean i i was hoping uh, ronaldo was going to come but sounds like he's off to like saudi arabia or whatever i don't think he can go to the states no, I think I think, I think he's got. Some legal I, I, yeah, I think there's some legal things keeping yeah, him. Yeah, I don't know. I was from talking coming. about that. But I don't know that he. I don't think. I think. I think he would have gone, but I don't think he can legally. So, I don't know. I think yeah, the the level of MLS players that they're getting is a lot higher, and 
Uh, I think that the biggest change now is they're not getting them when they're like 35, right? Like they're getting guys still that are. Shakiri was 29 when he, yeah. he, he literally transferred from Bayern Munich to Stoke city to the Chicago fire. Shakiri, Yeah. What a, what a, he had a great tournament too. I mean, he hasn't, I don't, I haven't, I didn't watch a ton of MLS, but um, yeah, that guy's what a blast from the past. I just think that like, he always shows up in these tournaments for Switzerland. And again, you know, had a, had a good tournament, scored a goal. Yeah, they Insignia, I mean, he is what, 30? 30, I think? Right? Yes, like he's, and he's, kill, he's, he's killing it too. Yeah. Like he he's yeah. coming and like, like the whole deal. And uh, uh, Bernadeschi, like like Bernadeschi, literally yeah. like like 28-year-old yeah. Juventus players like, nah, I'm going to go play in Canada. In Toronto, yeah, I don't know. I, it's crazy that they're willing to 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 deal with those winners, but maybe they just maybe they maybe they leave in the winter. But uh, it's crazy, and not only that, they're get the biggest the biggest coup for me is they're getting young South American players. So they're I mean, getting this, guys. That, that's the strategy change at the league that is yeah. great for them. I think. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense because the these guys, uh, like guys in a Colombian league, Argentinian league, Uruguayan league. They're not making a ton of money, and and obviously Europe is 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 the goal for a lot of these guys. But I think that MLS said, "Hey, like, there's we can basically jump the queue here, get some of these players over." And I think it's it's done really well. And national teams are are not used to be that like any South American would not like uh, consider MLS players, and now it's different. Like guys for Uruguay, guys for Colombia are playing for their national team while they're also you know playing in MLS, which is great. I think that's just going to grow the game a lot. I think you're, I think you're definitely right. So uh, one thing, so I think we did pretty good in our predictions. We were both all over Argentina, all yeah. over France. Uh, we were, we were anti-Belgium. We were really big on Croatia. I mean, obviously like there were a couple things we, we got, I, I thought yeah. Wales uh, could get out of that group. They were dreadful. They were, re- yeah. I just really thought Ramsey and Bale would try harder. And I don't, I don't know if they didn't try or if they're just that old. They, they just looked terrible. Yeah. Um, but one big thing that I was pleasantly surprised to get wrong, though, was Gareth Southgate just did a really good job with England. And I don't think it's his fault at all, really, that they got knocked out. I mean, you the, the one thing that the English people are mad at is that Saka came off at, what, what was it, 78 minutes against yeah. France. But it's like the dude has played every minute of the important games. He's been getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. I don't I don't think subbing Raheem Sterling on is like, oh, you can't. I mean, may, or may, you know, maybe you could have argued it should have been Grealish, it should have been X, yeah. Y, and Z. But I don't, I don't think it's like Harry Kane missed the penalty. They, they you know, yeah. they dominated that game. They're the better team. They're the better team against France. They created uh, the better goal scoring chances. They carried the game. I think that France pulled it out of a hat a little bit with you know, like against the flow of the game, Drew just kind of like pulled a goal out, and uh, they're unlucky. I, I don't think. I think some of these coaches that we. We talked about, you know, I think that that was fair criticism, but I think that, you know, like like any guy that's in that position, a lot of them learned and kind of like adjusted pre-tournament. And I think that Southgate did a better job. I don't think he did an amazing job. I think he typically fixed some of the real obvious leaks for sure. I think that I would say... Yeah, taking Saka off was I think was a was a mistake, but that's you know that's slight. You have good players behind him. I think that playing Henderson in that France game was maybe a slight mistake, but he had a really good game and it made sense that they wanted to play like that. Maybe they could have had more of an attacking player to attack more of that side, which they were getting a lot of daylight on. And everyone basically 
noticed that that was the weak side. Mbappe does not come back, and Theo is not a good enough defender. Past that, yeah, I agree. I think that England, you know, like it's not his fault. He played Bellingham. I mean, he he rotated the guys in the games that didn't mean a ton. A lot of lot of coaches would not have even started a 19 year old in central midfield and given him yeah. this much responsibility. Like Didier Deschamps yeah. had had Didier Deschamps had Pogba and Conte available, he for sure would have played those guys over Aurelian Chalmany. Hundred yeah. percent would would have. Yeah. Would have and and they would uh, Pogba. I mean, you could argue, uh, just does would not have deserved that. Like, so yeah. I I think you got to give him that. Like, and I I think, I, think I think so. Jude Jude made his. I actually had this idea. I I'm curious your thought on it. That Jude actually fixes the central problem with what everyone hated about watching England, which is you have a line of defenders, yeah. you have a line of midfielders, and the defenders defend, and the midfielders pass sideways and they don't run forward and they don't create anything. And so you have these amazing talented forwards sitting, looking at them going, we get us the ball. Like, and Jude kind of single-handedly fixes that whole thing because he runs forward. He passes. It's always forward. It's never backward, but he also will come back and defend. It's not like playing Grealish or Foden there where you have to worry about them not coming back to defend. He, he kind of like single-handedly solves the big Southgate problem. Yeah, I think uh, I think we talked about that, and that was their, that was our gripe, right? Was that like they don't have ball progressors, that they're just kind of like overly defensive. I mean, they stopped playing three center backs, which was great, huge, huge. Um, you know, I think that obviously Walker made a ton of sense against Mbappe. Do that for sure, right? Play 100%. A little, play, you have to. It made sense. They should have played more Trent in some of the other games, but it makes sense in that game, the game that they ultimately lost. Makes total sense. Bellingham is a stud. I, I think he's so good. I'm glad that um, that they leaned into that. For him, you know, I think it was it was really good. And I also think like Saka, like they I think a lot of people saw how good Saka is. And Saka progresses the ball really well, drops deep. And it makes sense that Southgate's like, hey, I want everyone to be able to defend. And that is is great and a great way to look at it. I think that they, you know, he may not be the best like manager in terms of like drilling them on how exactly to play, but they, they progressed the ball. Well, they had chances. Um, they got unlucky against France. And I think that there's not a lot of big, Greg. Like they, they were, I lo- okay. If we look at all the rest of the games, they should have been a lot better against the United States. They had a really bad game against the United States based on the United account. States like, midfield though. I mean, that was, yeah, I give them credit. They were yeah. that my, my biggest takeaway from an American perspective one is like the Gio Reyna, Greg Berhalter stuff is so insane. And yeah. I, and the, the the nation of 300 million people and we don't have one good striker seems, seems statistically improbable. Uh, but, but whatever. Uh, Tyler Adams and Eunice Musa are like disgustingly good. Like these dudes are so Tyler Adams, he could start at, at DM in a champions league final and be at home. I think, I mean, he is, Yeah. I, I was so surprised, but, it's not like I watch leads all the time, you know. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. so good, man. He's good, and I think, like, if he was playing in that Red Bull system, right, in the 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 Red Bull Leipzig, right, and then he's like, they they brought him to Leeds. There's a certain style of player that that fits in that system if you're playing, and like clearly, you got to be good. You have to be able to press. You have to be good on the ball. 
you have to be like a modern player. And he played really well. Uh, Yunus Munza, Alisa was good, but wow. I mean, he played really well in that tournament. And also, right, like that guy grew up playing in Arsenal, playing in, playing in the Arsenal system, uh, plays for Valencia now. McKinney had a good game too, but like, yeah, I mean, their midfield just gave him a chance in every game, in every game. And they, they their midfield was so good. The way that they lost is basically Van Gaal was like, we're just going to, avoid the midfield altogether and just play down the wings completely, which was smart, which was very smart because they did, they, they, they pushed their fullbacks high because they relied so much on their midfield. And I think it was a testament that that midfield is like, that's a, that's a European midfield. That's not a, that's not an American or Canadian. Midfield. Yeah. That's not, that's not, that's not an there. MLS USL midfield. Like yeah. those dudes are, are battled. I, I think all of them, but Musa have started champions league knockout games. Like, yes. yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're legit. Yeah, and, and the thing is, too, is, like, I'm really high on Brennan Aronson, and I think that Brennan Aronson, they should have found a way to play him. Um, and they didn't even – he didn't play in their midfield either. And I thought he could have – he could have he slotted in. They could have been more attacking uh, in the midfield or in the front in the, in the the front three. I, I would have liked to have seen him more. I, I, I would have liked to have seen him. I, I mean, probably I would have just done the FIFA lineup with the United States, which is you play Gio Reyna as, like, a false nine, ten, yeah. a nine and a half. And then you play Aronson on one side and Pulisic on the other, but like, which, which works probably for progressing the ball, but yeah. you still like are not going to get enough shots that way. Yeah. I mean, really, if you don't have a guy who can score, you yeah. just, I mean, you're just not going to win in these knockout tournaments. Like look at the teams that, yeah. so Morocco just basically their formula was, we're just not going to let anyone score on us, which yeah. worked. Croatia, same deal. They were like, we're just going to hold the ball and make you guys exhausted chasing yeah. us. And then Argentina and France had the two best finishers in the world, probably. And that that worked out for them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Right. Like Morocco midfield was great. And uh, the way that they their midfield, their defense was great. Their attacking wise, they created a lot of chances, but they could do it because like their midfield was just so good. And it's just it's difficult because. So many of these teams, you just don't have the quality and you don't have the quality. It's hard, like to a really good striker, especially now that like teams don't just let guys just, just poach. Like they kind of have to add more. It's just, it, it, it makes a difference. You just, it covers up all your mistakes. Like France, France played well, but like they made mistakes in some of these games. And then like, you know, like against Poland, they, they were lucky that they, they, they were, they looked like an easy win, but like, XG wise, Poland was better. Poland missed two big chances, and Mbappe just like scores goals that, that were super difficult, and makes them look easy, and that's ball yeah. game. Yeah. Would you? I mean, we we gotta we gotta move on from Greg, right? I mean, he can't he cannot be the coach of this team in four years because in four years you'll have Pulisic will be twenty eight, Aronson yeah. will be twenty five, Adams, Musa, and and McKinney they'll all be like sort of prime midfielder age who knows i mean maybe there's some unbelievable finisher in the usl who's 16 right now yeah. you know or or you know at the fc dallas academy like the, the united states should want to make the quarterfinals in 2026 at least i think you got to move on from berhalter i think the mess with reina is just like that's on you can't do that he's a young kid the way that he, that he handled that you can't leak that to the press also i think it's like hey look they played what this four games right like they got like tactically they got pumped against netherlands like they they looked very naive like in terms of like netherlands basically 
was very clear what they were going to do. And they're going to attack through their, they're always at risk of attacking through their fullbacks. We've seen that in other tournaments, right? With Dumfries, like they, like in the Euros, it was all through Dumfries. And, uh, and United States got by, their midfield was very good. Their midfield, like allowed them to play in every game because their midfield was just lights out great. Past that, it's like, what did he add? I don't know. Like he put those three guys, those three guys are super talented. I don't know what else that he did that was, he made the system so good. Like they didn't create a ton I think, of chances. I think the one thing he did that you could say not every manager would do was give Anthony Robinson clearance to take advantage of all the space that Pulisic creates. Cause he's the only, yeah. he's the only guy that is yeah. going to draw like three defenders to him. And Robinson put in some good crosses and he was, uh, you know, creating a lot of, a lot of yeah. danger and everything, but that's and, about it. And I would, and this is the thing is at the, when the, when when a thing when the tournament gets tough, you have to tactically adjust. P- teams are going to see what you're doing. They're going to see your weaknesses. And Van Gaal saw that what they did that they basically pushed their fullbacks forward, and they basically play through the midfield. And Van Gaal's like, I, I don't care. I'm going to sacrifice the midfield, and I'm basically going to punish you for coming forward too much with your fullbacks. And I'm going to use my fullbacks to attack that space. And the game was done and dusted because of basically everything that he did down those wings. And because of that space. So even though it was good, it worked. England didn't punish them. Wales w- wasn't good enough to punish them. Netherlands, like, maximally punished them. And I think that that shows that, like, Berhalter, I mean, he, he probably did some things good. If you want to make it to the next level, you can't be that naive as a coach and as a manager. Like, Argentina, he they, they knew what Netherlands was going to do. And they basically said, okay, fine, we'll play three at the back. And we'll basically just leave those people home. We're not going to let you counterattack. We're going to play wingbacks, and we're going to go two-on-two. We're going to play Messi and Alvarez, and you're going to play Depay and Gakpo, and we'll see. And our midfield will still control the game. We will have a midfield, and we will see who wins. And it was like that was like a very clear tactical adjustment that he made, and it was like very smart. And then the United States, I just – I don't see it. I don't see – I don't see him – getting to that next level also too it's like it's a smaller sample size but like his sample size of during qualifiers was not good enough right like he did not create chances enough game after game and i think that the united states played very good but i think that we are focusing on how good their midfield was like a lot of their offense was like just give it to pulisic he's gonna do his thing and then cross and it's not like who's good so that's the other thing too is pulisic is good but he's not like, you he's know, some of these guy. guys, some of these guys are so good that they make their team a tier better. Luka Modric yeah. brings Croatia a tier above because he just is yeah. like th- his brain works on a different level. Lionel Messi, so good. He brings yeah. his team up another level. Kylian Mbappe, so good. Yeah. Like 28 year old Ronaldo, Portugal is, is, a, and, and he's good, but he's yeah. like, would I don't know, would you take him or Cody Gakpo to start a game tomorrow? It's like, I don't know, you might take Gakpo, you know? Yeah, and I think that, like, in North America, we overvalue these guys a little bit. I think that Americans maybe overvalue Pulisic. I think Pulisic is a very good, very good player. I don't know that he's lived up fully to his potential. He's not playing a ton at Chelsea right now. Um, I think he's a good player. I, I think that offensively, they didn't have a ton of weapons, and I don't think that they had a crazy good structure to generate a lot of good chances. And I think that they kept getting the ball because their midfield was so good at turning it over, at pressing, at keeping the ball, and then feeding into Pulisic. And Pulisic was just like crossing like crazy. 
And they weren't really generating a ton from those crosses. And if you took that away, there wasn't a ton of ideas there to like go another way to break down teams. And it's like, that may be good enough to beat a Wales, you know, that may be good enough to hang with an England who didn't really do enough, but it's a little bit tricky to go to the next level. And I'd like to see United States go to the next level. And I think they have the players that they could do. Like Pulisic can pick a lock. Uh, Aronson can pick a lock. Reyna can yeah. pick a lock. And he was not using those guys. He was basically like, okay, we're going to, I mean, um, what's his name? The redheaded guy. Uh, I'm trying to blank on his name right Josh now. Josh Sargent. Sargent is, yeah. I mean, I mean dude, they're he, also, he does every, his best, but. Every striker is just not good. I mean, how's he yeah. right? Not good. Yeah. Sargent, yeah. I, mean, I think good. it's like, you have to play a system then find a system that maybe doesn't play a striker play. Like you said, a false, maybe the FIFA system and designing a system with a false nine or like if you play a false nine system with a Pulisic, Arena, and Awea, that's pretty good. I mean, uh, those guys would fit really well on a false nine. Yeah, I mean, doesn't doesn't Wea play striker for Leal sometimes? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, he, he's yeah, he's, he's basically yeah, he's like a wide forward that would 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 thrive off making runs behind. So I think like he's the perfect type of guy that's like he's direct. He's not really like a guy that like needs the ball. He's not a Pulisic that like wants to carry the ball a ton. But he's he would basically feed off that space off of a false nine. I, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, I think I just like I have a high standard that I think that the Americans have more talent. And I think that they did well. And I, and I think that they showed really well that they were controlling and dominating these games against England. Like they they could have won that game and they basically went out there and they punched him in the face. But I think that like they're at Canada, too, it's just like you're a little bit naive compared to some of these other teams and all these other managers. And it's, and once the world cup goes, it then becomes more of a chess match. And I just, I don't see a bear halter. And I, and I think that like in qualifying, it's like, he's getting, he's not putting up amazing performances against. And it's not like there, it's not like uh CONCACAF. I mean, CONCACAF qualifying has got to be, I don't know what's what's easier CONCACAF or, or the Asian qualifying. Like they're honestly probably yeah. CONCACAF. It's probably it it's probably be, I, well, easier. You gotta go to you gotta go to El Salvador and and get bags and urine thrown at you. So I may, guess that's true. Yeah, that might be. I don't know. It, it, it might be tough in Asia too. I have more obviously experience watching. People say Asia is easy. Yeah, and so and I would say that the, the the soccer has gotten better with Canada making a jump. I mean, that's a huge jump. Yeah, I mean Canada. You want you want to talk about naive? I mean Canada. I think you could make an argument. Was maybe the best team in their group, and they didn't get a point. <laughs> I mean, they, and they played very naive. Like they, like so. They, I mean, this, this yeah. is so naive, just so open. The yeah. the goal they gave up against Belgium is like, uh, uh, you know, Gillingham gives that goal up when they're yeah. playing in the League Cup against Wolves or whatever. Like it's just yeah. so bad because they. And I, I mean, what are you gonna? They're starting a thirty nine year old dude in midfield, which is like, what what are you gonna do? But. You know, they, 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 the future is like if they can figure, I mean, they have the same problem the United States does, which is yeah. if you could go out to the transfer market and, and add a couple dudes at key positions, you'd really yeah. have something. Yeah. I think, uh, they're, they were fairly, they're weak at, they're weak at the back, center back. Um, and I think that they deserve to win against Belgium. Great performance, did everything right. One little mistake against Croatia. It was, Really not a good idea to start Atiba Hutchinson as a 30 to empty out your midfield against Croatia is insane, right? Like they played 
uh, they played two midfielders and one of them was a 39-year-old against the worst team to do that because Kovacevic is going to dust two two guys. Modric is going to dust two guys and you're outnumbered. And like they they started the game, they scored a goal and then they just like com- completely got massacred through midfield and they were chasing shadows and it was just very naive. And like if they would have started the way maybe that they started the last game against Morocco against Croatia, it would have given them a chance. But they were, I mean, they're a huge disadvantage against Croatia anyways, but it was very naive of them to think that they could go play that open against the Croatia. And Brazil kind of did that and lost, you know? And Canada, I mean, I guess, I think he, I think he learned, I think he probably learned his lesson, but like, that was a big mistake. Man, and it's Brazil, like, Bra- Brazil out in the quarterfinals is crazy, dude. They were, yeah. cause they looked so good. I mean, it looked like, I, I guess like, yeah. and you know, their issue is, they they're they're sort of like the you know the drawing of the horse where it goes from ugly to beautiful it's like you're starting you know 36 year old tiago silva and and uh you know danny alves is involved and you're starting uh you know they were rotating militao and marquinhos at left back because uh alex Tellez, what he i mean he did his knee right away and and alexandro got hurt too yeah I mean, I don't know. It feels like probably if you play that game 10 times, Brazil probably wins seven of them. Like, it was yeah. just one of those things. Um, but, I mean, it's, that's like, I, I guess Neymar, Neymar's 31. So, next yeah. next World Cup, the USA World Cup, is going to be the Neymar, like, will he get it, will he not? You know, like, he he's going to be yeah. – he, he would be the greatest Brazilian ever to not win one because Ronaldo won a World Cup, Dino won a oh, World yeah. Cup. Yeah, he, I mean he, they win they win them every ten years basically like for the history of soccer almost so yeah I, I mean I I don't know I mean they 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 are unlucky not to win against Croatia they out xg'd them by like a mile they they should they they didn't finish. I, I would say Neymar was in these chances but like he was half on a on a on a twisted ankle I don't think he was at a hundred he scored a really nice goal but like this guy was not a hundred percent. He was out for two weeks in the middle of the tournament. And I, Brazil has a ton of talent. And they're basically like defenders defend, attackers attack. And I'm glad that they played more attacking throughout the tournament. But, like, what are you doing in in overtime when you score a goal and f- you bring on Fred instead of the, one of One of the dumbest – one of the <laughs> – the defending on that Croatian equalizer. It, it, it's just – you you get the sense that these games are just so intense and so yeah. high level that these guys kind of just like forget the basics. Like they're they're so insanely focused on like the ball and where yeah. the ball is. Because yeah. I I was kind of picturing this in the final, you know, and yeah. I'm like, can you even imagine what it must feel like to be Gabriel Montiel right now? It's it's three two in the World Cup. You're staring down Kylian Mbappe. You you I mean you're hearing the crowd like you're you're standing five feet away from Lena. Can you just even imagine what that would feel like? It's got to be, there's got to be nothing else in human experience like that. Like it's just so insane. Four billion people watching. Four? Could you like? There's not a more pressure situation. And like the thing is too, and we talked about this. Argentina are insane about the World Cup. Like insane. They, insane like their country is insane if you know any argentinians like they are die hard like this is everything right like 
And they're so focused on winning this world. Could you imagine having to take that penalty? Like two penalties, like in successive games and like your four billion people are watching you and you have to step up and you have to look at Messi if you miss, you know what I mean? Did like, you so did you have this thought that when Montiel came up to took his because he didn't get subbed off, so he had to take a penalty? I was thinking, like, this has got to be bad from the manager. The manager's got to put Montiel last because he just gave up the penalty. He's got to be hating life right now. Now he made his penalty, it ended up being okay. But what I yeah. was thinking was like, dude, I don't want this guy taking a penalty. I want anyone but this guy taking a penalty. I I, I instantly said he gave up the penalty look at his face, right? Like he was nervous. Big and time. I didn't want him to take it for him. Like, I don't really know the guy, not a huge fan, but I was just like, man, if you miss this, if you miss this, this you're going to, it's going to be so difficult for the rest of your life if you don't end up winning. But I mean, he stepped up and he nailed it. I mean, it, it wasn't an amazing penalty. It wasn't right in the corner. It was good enough. The goalie went the wrong way. I'm happy for him that he didn't like, you might have got, you know, for the rest of your life, you might have to hear that from your country, from your family. I mean, Harry so, Kane, Harry Kane is going to hear that for the rest of his life. Like that was, it was kind of yeah. one of those things with Kane where it's like, yeah, Kane has a great life. He's a multimillionaire. I, I don't, I assume his wife is probably beautiful. I assume he's got beautiful children. Yeah. You know, he's going to, he's going to be a top four team probably this year. But Harry Kane for the rest of his life will never be as happy as he could have possibly been like the max amount of happiness yeah. in Harry Kane's life is gone. Cause I guarantee you every night before he goes to sleep, he's going to replay that ball soaring above Hugo Lloris's head. Guarantee it. Well, there's a couple things for one, Harry Kane is a Spurs player. So he's used to disappointment because facts. they've facts. never wanted, they've never won a trophy for his career. And like, so, I mean, he's gotta be somewhat used to it. So I mean, maybe he's prepared for it, and he may he he, may, he might like it because he still stayed playing for Spurs. So I don't know. Maybe he maybe he just wakes up. He doesn't even care. So maybe maybe maybe, maybe he's got you know? maybe he's got the best sports psychologist on earth, and it just doesn't even matter. And he'll just you know he'll he'll figure it out. I just that was such a. I mean, obviously, like the average person in that moment, yeah. it's just. I mean, we all miss, right? We all. Yeah. We all, we all sky it. We all, I mean, what, you know, Chow many, he misses it. He, he, he doesn't even hit it on frame in, in yeah. the world cup. Final. He's got to feel like shit too. I mean, damn. I've missed it. I've, I've missed in that position when I was a kid and it was a, a final and like a final and I missed, I missed the penalty. And it, it, I it, bet it, you it still, hurt. I bet you still think about it. I, I still remember it and it hurt. And I practiced penalties a ton after that to that where I was, good at them after but i mean i was like 13 14 and i, I missed a penalty in a final and i was just like yeah it was rough it was really rough. yeah so i, I can't it, imagine at that level yeah mbappe scoring three penalties on emmy martinez in in one game that's and that's pretty crazy and he got a hand to the last one two of them he got a hand to right two i, I maybe not for sure the first one he got a hand to I want to say the the second one, the second one, Martinez, the 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 one at, yeah. at the 80th minute or whatever, Martinez went the wrong way, but the other two he got a yeah. hand too. He got a hand, yeah, he got a hand to two of them, and he is like amazing at stopping those. And I was like surprised. I mean, Mbappe hits him hard. Mbappe's got obviously balls of steel, um, but taking three like that would be I. A lot of people would say they wouldn't want to have someone take two, let alone three penalties. I mean, you have to in the shootout, obviously. But like, man, Jesus, 
Jeez. Yeah. I mean, it was that, that, that final, that final was, was insane. Like in terms of like insanity, I was just like the roller coaster of emotion was crazy. It was so crazy. It really was. And I mean, uh, Mar- Mar- Martinez go it's like what an unbelievable like he he heroed up dude i mean yeah. it's so hard to save penalties like penalties go in i now i would guess probably with the pressure of the world cup like it, it would be an interesting analysis i'm sure someone's yeah. done it of like penalties in you know uh throughout the entirety of the top five leagues for a season versus a world cup like i bet it's way lower in yeah. in the world cup but still saving a penalty is really hard and emmy martinez saved a bunch of penalties he saved a ton of penalties and he also did it in the Copa America for them to win. Like he basically, uh, I think that, yeah, I think it was a shootout at the end and he saved a ton. And I mean, he's, he basically called it. Like he called that. He's like, yeah, I'm going to save all these penalties. And he, this guy was a backup like four years ago, three years ago, not even right. Like this guy barely never barely played and then came up in Arsenal when there was an injury. And now is like dancing around like I mean you got to be a little bit crazy to be a good goalie I feel like at that level and he's just like a pure nut job and it's I mean it was crazy I mean those saves were he I mean like like the way that he saved them too like it wasn't basically like oh it's like a little bit like he basically was like completely owned some of those guys and I mean yeah it was it was impressive I mean I was going nuts when he saved them I have to say yeah, oh, me too. Well, he plays for my team. He's the Aston Villa goalkeeper too, which is like, I mean, that's all. It's such a, there's so many layers to the World Cup. Like a, a Brighton, Hove Albion, central midfielder winning a World Cup, an Aston Villa goalkeeper winning the World Cup. Like that's, it's, I mean, it's, it's honestly like that's maybe partly sad because like 20 years ago, Emmy Martinez would have been like, I don't know, Juventus's goalkeeper or something, and Alexis McAllister would have been. I don't know, but Bayern, you know, Borussia Dortmund, like something like, but all the money's just in, in the EPL, but that is still like pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, well, you could say, right. Like McAllister, those two guys were not, I don't think those guys would have, those were not never heralded players, right? Like McAllister was good. I mean, he, he, he played, I think in Boca and he comes from a soccer family, but he wasn't like a big. Have you seen that picture of his dad? Yeah. The yeah, the one that's good. going around. If you if, ginger, yeah. if you're if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, Google Alexis McAllister's dad. He he literally looks like the most Scottish dude you've ever seen in your life wearing a Boca Juniors jersey. It's really funny. There was a bunch of people like I saw on Twitter that like, there's no way this guy speaks Spanish. And it actually like they are, like they're they're Argentinian, born and raised. His whole family is like soccer players, like his uncle, his dad, his brother. And they're just like, yeah, as Scottish as could be, but but doesn't play like a Scotsman. Clearly, plays like an Argentinian. But I mean, yeah. if you look at Argentina, like player for player, like that is not a great team. If you go, hey, through how like, how old is how old is Nicholas Otamendi? 37, 38? He's, he's got to be like thirty five plus, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's no different that yeah, he's he's thirty four, and uh, you know, has has made his tour and is now playing in the Portuguese league. I mean, this is like. Yeah. you know pepe 40 uh you know starting for portugal like look yeah. at the look at the dude starting at center back for for france i mean those guys all 100 million dollar price tags you know canate veron and i mean you could argue that these dudes are pretty overrated but those are like some of the best young prospect center backs in the world france probably has like two three center backs at home that could probably start for, for argentina uh, argentina i mean 
I don't want to knock Romero played really good. I think Martinez played good. Odomendi, I'm surprised that he's still starting and played very well. Um, but like, I mean, if you're talking about like pound for pound player wise, the center backs that France have is just insane. It's insane that you have oh, Varane's not. I thought they I thought that Varane and Upamakano might be out. And I was just like, it doesn't really matter. They it doesn't have matter. Saliba and Konate, and then they have Axel Desai. They have so many good players that it's insane. So really, the only spot that all because they did have a ton of injuries. The only thing that really dropped off for them, I think, was not having Angola Conte and and weirdly enough, not having Lucas Hernandez's little brother who tore his ACL 16 minutes into the World Cup. I think you you bring Conte into the I although you got to hand it to Griezmann. I mean, Griezmann to me, Griezmann, Griezmann yeah. he played the best of any player in the tournament relative to what I expected of them. I thought he played really well. And he played, I mean, he kind of plays like a 10 midfielder kind of at times, like he has. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought he played really well. I thought, um, yeah, I thought that they could have used, I'm, I was like against them using like Lucas Hernandez because he's fullback and I was attacking as much. But like it, it hurt not having him because I think that it's clear for most of those games that like, Theo Hernandez should have been playing, but in the in the last couple games, like in against Argentina, he should not have been playing. Like they should have had Lucas Hernandez, a more defensive guy, because he was then the, playing behind Mbappe, where he Theo Hernandez wasn't getting wasn't getting forward. Like he's a liability to have him there because offensively you're not really getting to use him as much. He scored against Morocco for sure. That's great. Like his brother's probably not going to do that as much, but against Argentina, they definitely could have used him. I also think too that um, they could have used Pogba as maybe more than they used Conte because they needed somebody that kind of could control the tempo and that could basically, when they needed like more of a midfield presence that's going to control the ball, control the game, that's going to have like the ability to spray passes, they actually could have used the Pogba, I think. They didn't have that. They kind of basically didn't have that control and like what, what an unfairly good. maligned player too like every like because oh, yeah. manchester united is the biggest club on earth so everyone's just like everyone thinks he stinks but that dude is so good when he's healthy he's so good he's so good and i think it's hard to it's hard to really judge some of these guys at manchester united because i think they've been a mess for a long time they haven't been like a functionally good side and pogba fits into the right system with the right player and like the right people beside him. And I, I think he's had a little bit of a unfair that their midfield has been real bad for a while. And they have not, they never really added in that defensive midfielder to sit beside him. They never had the Conte to sit beside him. I don't want to make excuse too much excuses because he obviously, you know, he, he, he takes some of that flack that he should, but I think that like for France, he was amazing last world cup and they really could have used him. To have a little have a little bit more control at times. Even though I thought Rabio and Chumani played really well, I thought that it didn't give them that ability to kind of like keep possession more. They couldn't really hold the ball as much as maybe they would have wanted to. And actually, I thought that their best route against Argentina was to play ultra direct, not pretty soccer, bypass midfield. Don't try to play through Argentina's midfield. Don't try to break them down. And I think in the game from the, the 65th minute or so when they switched up and I thought that they were, that they were going to actually play a lot more at Giroud because Giroud, like you saw that like Argentina got crushed when they brought on those two Netherlands brought on those two huge guys and they just played direct. 
I thought that the route was to play direct and basically just go over the midfield, way more athletic, get Mbappe into space. Don't try to get into his feet and just try to go into bigger guys, play off them. And when they well, start that's how that, they that's how all their chances came about too. Was yeah. was playing it was playing it over the top, you know, which yeah. is it it's surprising to watch France play without the yeah. ball, honestly. Um, you yeah. know, because you just assume like they have all these good, really technical players. And the the best thing that Deschamps did was was just cancel it early. He said, "This is not working." Dembele, awful. Giroud, not athletic enough for this game. We need more. Yeah. And and. I mean, so weird, like Marcus the Rom, I mean, you know, good player plays in, in yeah. Germany. He's like fine, but he really did hit putting him on the left and moving Mbappe central actually like was huge, like really did yeah. create. So like just ch- totally changed the game. Absolutely. And Mwani played great. Like he totally, totally like when Mwani came, he gave them fits because he's and like that, I, I thought it was done. The, the, he had that break right then. I'm like, it's over. I thought it was over. Like when he hit that, he hit that so clean. That save was insane. And I was, I just, I said, it's done. It's done. It's over. That's such a, that's such a, a what if moment in, in like football history, you know, it's like what, like I, I, and you know, obviously all these great players, you know, like Thierry Henry goes on TV and it's like, oh, I would have just done this. And it's like, yeah, you're Thierry Henry. You probably would have, like, you probably would have dribbled around the keeper you know chipped him put it to the other side or whatever but it's like this dude Colo Muani, you know he's 24 he he plays for Frankfurt like this is the not even close the biggest moment of his life yeah. you know he, he just scored his first goal for France three days ago like you know yeah. all you can do is get in the position at that point I'll, I will never fault the guy for hitting it just hitting it like that hard and he yes. hitting it hard on the volley clean to the corner low that's what you're trained to do. He did it like you could, there's, there's better things you could have done. If you, if you were a little bit like you, you could have, you know, deep the goalie, you could have maybe chipped it to the other side, whatever, but like, dude, that guy hit that clean, really clean. And I, and I don't think you can fault him. I mean, he's not Thierry Henry. And that was, that was, I mean, for him to get in and do that, 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 that just in itself, a lot of people would just sky it. Like, like if that was Higuain or Lautaro Martinez, forget it. Right. Not even on, not even on frame. So. No, a hundred percent. And um, they, that's a that's a way smaller sin than what the Moroccan dudes would do every time the Moroccan dudes got a breakaway, which is they would. I I think Sharidi something like that was his Cheddar, name. Cheddar, Cheddar, Cheddar. Yes, Cheddar, yeah. he would never get a shot brutal. off. He would he, he, every time he would be he'd be peeling away, and then they would just end up that the the goalie would just like pluck it away from him. It was it was brutal every time. Yeah, it was crazy because uh, they're like the starting uh, El Nesri is good, and then once they brought these guys on, I was like, "What's happening?" Like he had full on breakaways with no shot off or just yeah, it was it was bad. I, I Morocco showed really well, and I feel bad because by the third place game, they were basically just like dead, falling apart, like injuries. And I I have a hard time figuring out if Morocco was really good or if it was just kind of one of they just really rode the positive variants, you know, like Spain never looked like scoring Portugal. Yeah. Like they were for the, I mean, it's not like they ever would have practiced playing without Ron, you know, they, yeah. and, and, you know, Gonzalo Ramos scores all those goals against Switzerland, but like, you know, he's a fine player and he's young, yeah. but he's not, not some like great, you know, young striker or whatever. So yeah. like hard, hard for me to tell if Morocco and Morocco have good players, obviously. Yeah. Um, but just like a, a very bizarre story. I would say with Morocco, um, I mean, it's always 
a little bit luck if you ride that defensive of a of a structure. Um, I think that like based on Morocco's forward talent and I was really surprised by their how well their midfield played. Like they didn't just park the bus. Like these guys got the ball. This this it. dude Amrabat, who's a defensive midfielder for Fiorentina, uh, that unbelievable. I mean, bo- most effort I've ever seen a player give. I think. Yeah, and I think he definitely should be in the the team of the tournament. Um, the the way that they defended, the way that they pressed, the way that they battled, like they came up against Spain and like. Those the, 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 like they they went toe to toe with that midfield. It's not it's not an easy thing to do. I definitely think that like you have to say that they got lucky, right, to get there when you're that defensive. But like, what else were they gonna do, right? Like they had to play defensive against Spain. They had to play de- defensive uh, against France, and 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 they had to they had to go out like that. So I, I can't I can't really knock them, but yeah, I mean they got a little lucky. But I think that their structure was amazing. Like the way that their coach set them up to press to defend, but also then did like. Then they, they they went and they attacked as well too, and I think that like they had a lot of injuries. Like their center backs were falling, their midfielders. They had a, like to expend that much energy to work that. Yeah, hard their their whole back games, line was dead by the end. Like Ro- yeah. Romain Seiss tried to start. Uh, yeah. What, what the other dude was in the lineup until like five minutes before, and then told Agur, the coach. Yeah. I know I yeah, had him he, in lineups. Yeah. He, he told the coach he yeah. couldn't go. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, like that. He, which yeah, I mean, you totally feel for those guys too, because like obviously that's literally the biggest moment of these dudes' lives. They're these are not guys who are playing in the Champions League. Like this is yeah. not close to the biggest moment of your life. And to like, they will be all those guys. I think those guys, those guys are gonna get scouted. Like the guys that didn't, like they're mid that those three well, midfielders for sure. Now, yeah, I mean that's uh, and that's such a World Cup thing. Is like the yeah. dudes, the dudes who just did so amazing are about to get bought for like a billion i, I don't know who's, who's someone's gonna, gonna be, overpay someone's i was gonna, gonna say who's gonna be the guy from this who's gonna be the hamas rodriguez or whatever from from this tournament i, I don't really know enzo fernandez yeah right? enzo enzo fernandez yeah. 80 million dollars to manchester united loaned yeah. loaned back to benfica in two years and we never hear from him again there's there's gonna be some british team or some <clears throat> some some oil money team that is gonna overpay drastically for somebody, if not multiples. And I think, I think, you know, I think like, I don't know that there's a, a guys that I think are like frauds. I think most of the guys that kind of look good here are probably pretty good players that probably deserve it, that deserve to get something. But though, but no doubt there's a premium on World Cup. Buying, especially buying right after a World Cup, there's like a big premium you're going to pay. So. Yeah, we can we can probably we can probably wrap up with that. I mean, what do we think the impacts of the Winter World Cup are going to be? Like, are do like I I kind of I mean a lot of the I think we're going to see a lot of injuries probably over like the next month. Like so many of these guys. Actually, funnily enough, we are recording this Tuesday, December twentieth. Ruben Neves is starting in midfield for the Wolverhampton Wanderers in the Carabao Cup. I I think it was thirteen days ago he just started a World Cup quarterfinal. And he is in the midfield in the Carabao Cup right now. Uh-huh. Like there, like there's an insane amount of soccer left to be played because they got to do the League Cup, they got to do uh, the FA Cup, and and I think these teams have only played like 14 games. Like it's not even quite at the halfway point yet. It's there's, it's about it's about to be nuts. There's a ton of soccer. Kieran Trippier is starting too. <clears throat> I yeah, mean that's in, that's insane. That cannot be good for him, man. Like he should Kieran Trippier should not be playing right now. That is that's 
That's not good. I it seems bad. I think um, the World Cup from a from a competitiveness and excitement, I think was good. I think it was. I was I was surprised. Um, but yeah, I think these dudes are gonna die <laughs> in the next the next five months. I think that like the energy. The, the thing is though, actually, when you look at it, it's it's probably actually better for some of these guys and some of these English teams because England doesn't have that winter break. They play right all the way through. Yeah. So actually, if you played in the World Cup and you didn't play in the final on like or you basically were out kind of early, you're actually gonna get more break. So it actually may not be that bad because it may actually be split up, like thinking about it. So I think it's it'll probably be case by case, but some of these guys, a lot of the other players that didn't play a World Cup. Just had like a month long break to go to like Qatar. Uh, you, you know who you know who got the the worst end of this is your team. Our Arsenal is coming out of this horrible. They lose Gabriel oh, yeah. Jesus with the knee injury. Yeah. Ben White and Saliba gone from the team. Don't get to go to warm weather. Yeah. So you don't have your center back pairing for yeah. warm weather training camp. Uh, Martinelli is gone for for a while. Like our our and compared that to Manchester City. Mars doesn't yeah. make it to the World Cup. Holland doesn't make it to the World Cup. You know, uh, it's Brian has sabotaged the World Cup to go over. Yeah, early, so. damn. How what, my favorite quote of the World Cup was him telling reporters, like, we're not going to win. We're too old. I, I, thought, I thought that was a great uh, about a bit of normally soccer players are not very self aware. I thought yeah. that was some very good self awareness. Like, dude, we are just too old. I mean, he's not wrong. People are pissed off. It's like, dude, you guys are, I mean, you should be. I think, I think some of it was he's a little bit annoyed that they're not bringing in the young guys and recycling out. Like, Hazard should not have been starting. He was terrible. Like, they have young guys they should be bringing in and like you have to renew the team and they didn't. So I think some of it was, he was a little bit annoyed, but it's the truth. They weren't. And like, yeah, you know what? I mean, like you guys stunk and the, that's your fault. Cause like, you know, you didn't bring in the young guys. You got to renew these teams. I think, yeah. Our, yeah. It's true, man. Arsenal are losing. Jesus is huge. Losing Jesus is huge. And if do you if think, Martin do you think, out, do you think they'll buy a striker? I mean, who's I guess who is there even to buy right now? There is guys to buy. Like like Joe Felix is apparently on the market. Oh, he's uh, coming, buddy. He's coming to Aston Villa. Didn't you hear? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I would have been. I, I would have thought he would have gone to Wolves because he's because he's Portuguese and they basically have the whole Portuguese national team. But Joe Felix would be a like for like for for um, for Jesus. And then when Jesus comes back, Jesus can play wide. Potentially. So maybe Jao Felix. I don't know that they would do that. Mateus Cunha from uh from Atletico Madrid, I think is a good player, but I think he is he, actually he's done. Worse. We we got the Fabrizio Romano here we go this morning. Yeah, I did I saw that and I was like, ah yeah. um apparently that guy Mudrick uh from uh Shaq oh, This is my love. number one tout. Whenever this guy gets to a big club, this guy is gonna be like the next Shevchenko. He is un real yeah. dude i rode that guy in fantasy in daily fantasy like i i like I he, he took it to real good. madrid with playing yeah. with a bunch of teenagers I, I he scored two goals and got an assist at the bernabeu I, yeah, I mean I, just like really unbelievable i played him in cash and like no one had him and it, yeah I, I i love that guy i think he's very good um you probably still need a central striker i don't I, martinelli can play centrally so maybe they want to do that but I mean, I don't know. I think those are the guys, like, 
Chow Felix would be like a very expensive, but I, I think you might have to if like you're in a you're in a race to win and Jesus is gonna be out that long. I mean he's maybe, a good he's a good player, but you probably gonna have maybe to you just maybe you just try and let Eddie and Kedia be the guy. You know, he's what is he, 22, 21? I, I mean I think Eddie and Kedia is a fine player. I don't know that we're gonna be able to win uh against Manchester City for three months of Eddie and Kedia. I'm I'm not bullish on that prospect. So I don't I think they, they're gonna have to go in, especially because you eat you for sure either need a winger or a central striker or someone that can play both. So they didn't. They were fairly thin on the wings. So I, I think they're gonna have to go in. If they do just Mudrick and and then they they use Martinelli somewhat central, I think that's okay. But I don't know, man. That would. There's gonna be an excuse if if Jesus goes down. This is gonna be the chance that they blew it. This that would be the excuse. But hopefully, hopefully they go into the market and find someone. Yeah. All right. There we go. That's a that's a good full hour on the World Cup and and what we can expect here. Uh, Paul, thanks for coming on. Everyone, thank you for indulging us for another soccer episode. And uh, I, I hope that you all enjoyed the World Cup. It was it it, it was much better than I, anyone could have hoped for. I mean, that final, really unbelievable. I just, I don't know. don't know if we'll ever see another 3-3 with two goals and extra time and the two biggest stars on earth who play for the same team in the league. I mean, just real, like the storylines. Pretty unbelievable. Um, so yeah, we will uh, we'll be back next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level with over 150 graduate degree programs. The Catholic University of America, located in Washington D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu/gradadmissions.